Welcome to the Profitable Cleaner Podcast. Join your hosts, James Harper and Angel Sandoval, bringing you the experts, discussions, and knowledge you want. We talk about sales, technology, marketing, operations, strategy, leadership, mindset, health, God, and so much more. Now, are you ready to profit? All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Profitable Cleaner. This one's going to be different because I've got my friend, CMO of Proven Content, and just a straight-up business ninja, Mr. Connor Doobie. Welcome to the podcast, brother. Hey, yo. Good to see you guys. Yeah, James, always nice to co-host, bro. You bring energy like it's Monday, you know, like we got to pick this thing up a little bit, man. 100%, man. I agree. James, you ready to rock and roll? I'm ready, man. I love it because Connor hit right off the beginning with the hey, yo, we call that a pattern interrupt. Gets your attention right off the bat and uh, love it, man. Really good to talk to you again, brother. Back at you guys. You listeners, thank you for being here. I love it. See, and you can tell if you can't tell this guy has his own podcast. What's the podcast that you have? Uh, B2B Mentors. Is that right? I've been podcasting for the last six years in the B2B world. My first podcast. So you both you guys are in Denver and um, my very first podcast I founded, which was actually going to be a television show on, on a local cable in Denver. And that was called mile high mentors. I realized that I couldn't really bring my full personality. I can't cuss and I can't talk about certain subjects on television. So we decided to actually launch that as a podcast. And then I moved out of Denver. Um, I wanted to kind of reformat, restructure, launch a new show and um, about two and a half years ago, launched B2B Mentors during the pandemic. And so that is my main podcast, B2B Mentors. We've done over 200 plus episodes on there. Nice. Um, it's on all your favorite podcast apps. And yeah, get to nerd out about it, marketing. It, like, what's more fun than every that? Every time I listen to it, every time I listen to it, like, I, so I used to listen to it at the gym, right? Like, you know, you're hitting a workout, you start listening to a podcast. I couldn't, I had to stop. Because every time I would listen, I would stop working out. I was just like, shit, got to take notes on that. Oh, dude, I didn't even think about that. Oh, dude, that's it. So I was like, okay, no, can't, can't, can't keep listening to Connor. I like that you always bring the energy, though, man. I always really do enjoy that. You always, every time we've hung out, every time we speak, you're just on it. I'm just on it. What are, what are some tips and tricks, or why do you like the importance of, like, energy? Because I think there's also some people that are more chill. They're just like, no, you always show up with more chill energy coming into this and you're more always like let's go and then it makes me want to do stuff is that like on purpose do you do that on purpose do you like being high octane high energy on purpose yeah i mean when you like when you operate at an energy level um you know things reciprocate at a higher energy level so i've just kind of like i'm naturally i mean if you're just hanging out with me and chilling like i'm a pretty chill guy like i'm actually an intro i'm an i'm an extroverted introvert like i much prefer to be alone to be like you know not around a bunch of people like kind of doing my own thing but you could also throw me up on stage in front of ten thousand people and i'm like perfectly comfortable with it um but you know bringing the energy but on the other side like i know billionaires i know multi multi-millionaire very very successful entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs and quite honestly some of the most powerful ones out there are very chill and like very methodical in the way that they communicate and so um it's just always been kind of my style like i just i like to bring the energy well look man i'm super excited to have you i know i've known you for a while actually i met you at my first ever entrepreneur event i was not an entrepreneur and I remember running into you and then I just started kind of following your, not your steps, but I started following what you were doing. And I was like, okay. And the way you see B2B marketing um, at a high level, I don't think it's talked about enough, right? Like I think a lot of people look at these like smaller coaches or this marketing that might work for a company that's less than a million. But then once you start getting, so like we have some clients that are 50 million, 100 million. And their question is always like, Wait, how do I market? Because I don't want just any any type of lead. I don't want just any type of this. Branding's important, but I feel like once you reach a certain level, you also have to have a different mentality of how B two B works. So, would you mind just kind of sharing with people? I mean, what is proven content? 
and then just some methodologies that you have on B2B marketing, maybe just a quick introduction of it. Yeah, I'll give I'll give some context. So I've always been entrepreneurial, um, you know, started my first business at the age of seven where um, 9-11 happened and I wanted to find a way to give back. And so I took rocks uh, and stole them from my neighbor's yard and my parents' yard. And I painted them with patriotic, you know, symbols and flags and stuff like that. And then I sold them at a motorcycle rally. So that was like my first introduction into what we would call channel sales, right? And over the years, I've launched a handful of companies and anywhere from landscaping to, you know, general marketing and advising. And um, in college, um, to, you know, I was super busy, heads down and to pay the bills, I actually did door to door sales for two and a half years, ended up running and managing and leading a marketing department of uh, about 25 people. I was 22 years old, generated $11.8 million in a year and a half at a very young age. And from there, I, I um, stepped in and, and my dad had actually had this kind of legacy, you know, um, very small business uh, under the, you know, you know, in the six figure range and was comfortable. And, you know, they were doing newsletters for technical B2B industries. And when I started comparing and really looking at that versus the consumer marketing, right? You're, you're marketing to people trying to get people to buy a product or a cell phone or, you know, a mug or whatever, microphones, you name it. I love the complexities and the nuances of B2B marketing. And I know that, you know, in the commercial cleaning space, especially because we've had clients in that arena is there's a lot of noise out there. It's very complicated. And there's really only a few things you got to do to execute the right way in B2B to make sure that you are, one, reaching the right people, and number two, consistently staying in front of them. Like, that's it. Marketing is not complicated. It's very, very simple. It's those two things. How you do it could come in a lot of different forms. And that's what also led us into building proven content um, for as your first question, because out of anything you're doing, whether you're looking at doing trade shows and events and cold calling and prospecting or pay-per-click, inbound, outbound, turnaround, you name it, um, content is at the heart of everything in marketing nowadays. That applies to content you're putting out through social media, through ads on your website, um, you know, in a sales relationship, one-to-one, one-to-many, but content is currency for every single business in, you know, the modern world. And it's also one of the most difficult things. So we, we decided we're not this, we're not going to build this do it all, be it all for everything and everybody type of agency. We're going to build a custom content production called proven content and support technical B2B clients that have long sales cycles, lots of decision makers. Some of our clients do IT sourcing, for example, for Fortune 50 companies. And their deal volume is like 150 million, half a billion dollars, $30 million, you know, very, very high dollar deals. And it's a totally different animal than marketing to sell a product. And so that yeah. is, you know, proven content. We've got 30 folks. Um, we're really the go-to in the industry. We've worked with companies as large as, you know, multi-multi-billion dollar companies, large holding companies, and we work with some smaller businesses. So we have kind of a great range of custom customizability. I don't even think that's a word to no, support. It is. it is now. Yeah, it is now to support the most time-consuming, complicated, and frustrating part of doing anything marketing, which is the content creation side of things. Real, real quick, because I think someone listening to this might say, okay, well, I do content, right? Can you just define content real quick? Because sometimes I feel like when people think content, they think uh, graphics or they think just blogs. How in-depth can you get into content? Yeah, I mean, my big, my big frustration being in this space is the marketing guru 
bros who are out there like posting next to Lamborghinis and like, bro, if you post a hundred pieces of content a day, um, you know, you too will be a millionaire and your business will be super successful. And it's just, it's not the case. And so how you're doing content is incredibly important. Even the process of what you're doing with content is incredibly important. So I'll give you an example. Um, someone listening to this may be like, yeah, that's me. I do content for my business. But what you're doing is either taking generic crap from that's owned elsewhere on the internet. You're taking other people's content and you're just tossing it into your social media feeds to appear relevant. And even if you do capture someone's attention, chances are you're probably leading them to a competitor without even realizing it. And so my mm. big philosophy when it comes to content is owned content. It is coming from your internal subject matter experts, thought leaders, clients of yours. And my big premise around content is what's called social proof. Because especially with the advent of ChatGPT, AI tools, any schmo can go create content that you know. Like anyone can go out and create content, but um, to do it very well and in a way that not only captures the attention of people, but gets them to funnel, build a relationship with you, build trust, gets in front of them sooner. Chances are if you're the first one to get in front of an account and you continue to nurture that relationship, you're 80 plus percent more likely to close that deal than your competitors. And if you are not the one out there being the thought leader, doing content the right way, creating social proof, not only just for your prospects, right? Everyone wants to talk about prospects, but in B2B accounts where the lifetime value of a relationship is typically much longer and typically much, much higher, right? We're talking five high five figures, six figures, sometimes seven figures, multiple seven figures. If your company is not the one educating your existing clients, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Yeah. Your, your competitors. Yeah. Correct. 100%. Oh man, there's a lot of lot of strings to prove them here. But before I take over, I'm gonna let James ask a question. Let me tag one more thought onto that too, and I'm sure we'll dive deeper into this. But just while I'm on that track, in terms of like, okay, I'm doing content, but here's the thing: people come in two different forms. You're either a left brainer or you're a right brainer. And also, 65% of your buying market has now become the millennial and Gen Z versus you know, former years where it's been a lot more baby boomers. It's been a lot more Gen X. They're becoming younger and everybody, whether they're a left brainer or they're a right brainer consumes content differently. So it's not just enough mm -hmm. to hammer out a bunch of one form, but you need what we call the trifecta effect, which is a combination of the video, visual, written, social proof, success stories, as well as audio content. If you really want to break through the noise and you want your content to be working for you versus the other way around. Go ahead, James. I'll shut up now. No, I think we're about to you, just grill them with questions now. Now I'm over here like selfishly yeah. wanting to learn. I love it. No, I think I want to, I want to kind of extract something you said. So like the industry that you sell in, you said like it sourcing could be a really long sales cycle. I think a lot of people listening to this, you know, when you're selling to a facility director of a big time facility, it's a long sales cycle. It's actually no different um, in terms of how we have to humanize the sales process, open up the door and then stay in front of them. Sometimes it could take you a year just to get that one qualified meeting. Mm -hmm. How would you recommend someone that's listening to this? They're like, hey, I understand the importance of content. Maybe we do it at a minor scale, but we're focused on sales. We're focused on new revenue. You made something, you made an interesting point. I don't want to gloss over. You said you can use content uh, for longer sales cycles. So the owner or the salesperson listening to this, how would we apply using content to an actual sales cycle? Like the facility director, I just got an email from, but they're not ready to bid for the next eight months. 
Yeah. How, how's content play there? Yeah, yeah. It's a and it's a great point because at the end of the day, time, money, need, like that facilities director, your prospect, they may love you. They may like you. They may agree with your pricing. They want to do business with you. But these other things have to align in order for them to sign on the dotted line. And so um, the other thing to consider is in the commercial cleaning arena, you're not just selling to a facilities director. You're also selling to the CIO, the CRO, the not CIO, but the CRO, the financial department, possibly the president, possibly a HR, VP, possibly HR, yeah. possibly, you know, like. And it depends on on the scope, obviously, of those accounts. Like that's on a case by case basis. But you are on average selling not to one person, but more like seven to ten different influencers. If you are doing bigger deals, and by the way, my hope is for those of you listening to this, I I, I empower you to do bigger deals because they take the same amount of energy, effort, marketing. You know to to do a bigger deal than to do a $15,000, you know, one-time project. Um, not to say you can't do both, but at the end of the day, you're selling to more people. So how do you utilize that? Well, I'll give you an example. When um, our clients first jump on board with us, instead of just coming up with, okay, what, you know, what kind of topics, what kind of content do we want to talk about? Let's go do some research in the industry. The best marketing that you can ever do is not what you're saying about yourself, but what others are saying about you. It is social proof, number one. And um, I use this in our own marketing. So for example, we'll take a client of ours, we'll go out to their top three clients, and we will interview them on camera to get a more in-depth social proof video testimonial talking about you know, what their fears were, what their situation was, how is this relevant? And then I'll take that video testimonial, turn that into a written short blog about that success story, create social micro social media content around that. And then wherever my prospects within the sales cycle, because some of them may be more active and engaging and following on LinkedIn. Some of them may just be checking in on my website if someone's in my sales funnel and I've already put a proposal, they're automatically on my email list and they're going to minimally get a newsletter once a month with that social proof that I've created for the month and the thought leadership and in the prowess of our team. And I also send that individually. So I use it in our proposals. I use it on our website. I use it on social media and I use it instead of what most salespeople do when they have that eight month sales cycle once a month, once every quarter. Hey, Frank, hope you're doing great. Are you guys ready to buy yet? No? Okay, I'll check in with you in three months. Cool. And then um, all the while, they're going out and also self-educating, possibly through your competitors. So you're able to help shorten those sales cycles because part of the thing that can also lengthen sales cycles is the amount of information that they have on hand. Like... Yeah. um no means like I don't know enough information yet. And they may not have yeah. enough information because you're not providing them with that information. If you're just simply relying on your team's sales ability to give a pitch, that prospect on the other end is only going to retain maybe 10% if you're lucky of what yeah. you talk about. And so this is where you use content, visuals, client stories, success, thought leadership to close the gap and as the reminder and, to, and the reinforcer of those things that you are communicating throughout that sales cycle. Well, so, you know, it's interesting that you say that because also um, I think like content can fill in a lot of the missing gaps, right? Um, in, like you said, your salesperson goes and sells, they retain, I would say 10% is like generous, honestly. Assuming there's no distractions nowadays, our attention span is so low. They're they're just getting what they want. Um, I have, we actually had a sales call um, two weeks ago, and my comment to him was like, "Hey, look, before you make a decision, let me send you some information. Check out this blog. Check out this podcast. Like, go get yourself acclimated with with who you're doing business before you say yes." And it was it was cool though because 
instead of me depending on a proposal for them to learn about me, I was like, I'm not going to even send that yet. Just go learn about us. And the good news is because I know the positioning that we've created here with the podcast is you search us, you see, you attach our name to all these high level people in the industry. You see our blogs for every single podcast. You go on our socials, including our personal brand. It's active. Like you almost leave them no reason but to say, well, that's who I want in my corner. Like, like regardless of what this, like I want that service, but I also want, I want James. I want, like, I'm pretty sure they do business with you because you get the results, but also because if they were to say, well, who's your, who's your, um, your uh, content team or content partner? Oh, proven content. Then they start research proving content. Now you look good. Have you ever seen like uh, when someone gives a referral or they're like, yeah, work with this person. And then you look them up and I'm like, is this a real company? Like 100%. Wait, they are, but like, how are they, what, what's going on here? And so I like how you said like subject martyr expert, proven content definitely has own content. I love that. Love that part. The so quick question on uh, for you, the uh, social proofing that you're talking about, is this only testimonial based or is this like personal growth based? Like what are forms of social proofing real quick? Well, in the case of commercial cleaning, yeah, it would be the social, like social proof is what other people, um, you know, like your brand, for example, takes a lifetime to build a brand, takes five seconds to completely ruin it and hurt your credibility. And and part of the enforcer of that is not like any, any company and every company out there thinks they're the greatest, says we have the best team, the best service, the best pricing, but no one believes that. What they believe is what their peers are telling them. And that that's also part of that validation of doing video. People see your eyes, they see your client's expression, they hear the tone, they feel the enthusiasm, um, they hear the story, they see the story, whether they do listen to it, read it or watch it. And so that really closes the gap of like, wow, this this vendor is really the most logical vendor. Uh, and that is a positioning that every commercial cleaning business needs to get to because there is so much competition out there. Any mom and pop can go out there and you know, they maybe had some experience in the industry or no experience and they can open, yeah. create an LLC and open up shop tomorrow. And so you're fighting against all of that noise on top of everyone is more busy, distracted, um, you know, uh, than ever, 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 ever before. And so, uh, you know, that initial like, oh, it takes seven to 10 touch points to get someone to buy from you. That's not it's not the case anymore. It's more like 20 plus touch points. Mm -hmm. And the more mm -hmm. valuable those touch points are, um, when it comes to social proof, the more your um, company is going to be seen as that most logical vendor of choice. There's no reason they wouldn't buy from you versus anyone else out there. And I mean, I practice, I practice everything I preach. Like when I send someone a, a proposal, there are 15, 20 video testimonials of our clients in there. It's outrageous. Interesting. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and everyone, everyone on the team and my business partner, he's like, are you sure it's not too much? I'm like, well, I'll tell you one thing. Since we started doing that, I haven't had, but maybe one in the last year and a half say, hey, can you introduce me to a client of yours to do a referral call, for example, because that social proof is captured already and it's enforced. And so it also helps move the deal along a lot faster, not only for us, but for our clients. Oh man. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Now we're like angels and I are going to get off this call and start thinking about things we need to do for our business and sales process. All right. I want to, I want to ask and you then a question. Just, that to, I, just I, to add on to that too. Like, don't just keep it sitting on your website and don't just post it once. Like, reinforce that shit over and over and over and totally. over again with your email list, with social media, one-to-one -one, through any channel you can. I mean, the best ads you could run in the world is a video testimony of your client just talking about you and putting money behind it. Right. So yeah. Um, didn't mean to cut you off, but just want to add that James. So good. No, I know. I think it's great, man. Um, the value of like repurposing and reinforcing that, like I'm, I'm here and you talk and selfishly, I'm like, Oh, there's a lot that we can do better and, and do more of. 
Uh, but I want to talk about something I keep hearing when it comes to marketing and specifically content marketing. And there's a little bit of a controversy there. How important is quality content versus frequency of content? Obviously, in an ideal world, you want to have both quality and frequency. But if you were to rank one to the business owner listening right now, they're like, okay, I'm a perfectionist. So I'm going to wait till I get it perfect. But that might be once a month I'm posting something. Or then there's like just a hustler that's iPhone in it, right? And they're just like on the go every day putting out stuff. What would you say is more impactful from someone in, in your seat that sees all different forms of content? And to add to that question, does the size of the company matter to the frequency and the, the quality? Well, it depends because, you know, are you looking at doing... Um, are you doing uh, account-based marketing versus non-account-based marketing? Are you doing more broad? Are you doing more general? Are you doing, you know, wide versus... I think everybody usually does general. I think like, because I don't think they know. So like, I guarantee you, no one, no one here knows what ABM is. So like, what is account, real quick, what is that too? Yeah, account-based marketing is where you're taking a very specific, let's say you're, let's say you're cleaning service specific to biotech companies, for example, right? That's a very unique, uh, unique niche arena. And let's say there's maybe like a top 50 in the US that are very specific for that criteria of revenue range, project size, you know, all that that you want to focus on. And so creating a very specific type of messaging and effort towards them, that is account-based marketing versus, okay, we're commercial cleaning, but we're kind of broad. Like we'll do the coffee shop down the street or we'll do the hotel chain that has seven locations across the US and any fits for us. And that's kind of broader. And some companies can do both and some do do both. Most companies I would say go very, very broad. And so to answer your question, more isn't more um, but less isn't best. And so if you are only uh-huh. creating like one piece of content a month, for example, yeah, you could maybe get some traction for that. If depending on, are you utilizing your content in a very, very small micro pool versus if you're trying to go out and you're just tossing into the ocean, for example, um, then, uh, you know, in essence, you're not going to have as big of an impact. And most people have analysis paralysis to begin with. Um, but on the flip side, there is the opposite end of the spectrum where you're just putting a lot of stuff out there and it's getting tuned out. No one's paying attention to you. It's all the same. There's nothing unique about it. And so less is certainly stronger if you're doing it the right way and depending on how you're doing it. And by the way, I can help you listeners. I can help you to assess, is that, you know, a big volume play? If it is, what does that look like? Or are we really doing a smaller, you know, amount of volume that's very high quality, but I do know as well, some companies, they go out and they hire a videographer for 50 grand, a hundred grand to create this beautiful cinematic production, you know, video, um, explainer video of their business and why they're so great. And then they hardly utilize it. Um, they use it once and, and consistency is absolutely key. You have to keep at it at a consistent pace. Um, and it can happen months at a time. Um, but really you're looking at years. It takes years to really build a brand. But once you do it, it's the most powerful asset you can have because you can't be destroyed, um, you know, unless you do something really bad. Yeah. You know, um, and now I'm just like going, my mind's going like crazy, but I like how you always look at it from, and I think it takes knowledge, uh, patience, and a lot of learning, like to look at it from the end user standpoint. I know everything that you do, man, I've noticed you do it from the end user, including even like this podcast. This podcast, you didn't come in here to talk with us even when you started the energy you're like you user you like you listener right like i can see how in depth you go there and then there's like breaking down the end user even more right industry psychographics demographics and then even then like okay now i got the company i got seven to ten different influencers 
I always tell people that you've got influence, you've got champions, you've got decision makers within a business for sales. Not a lot of people, they don't think there is because they don't get to engage with them. I'm like, you got to go and seek that out because, yeah, you're right. Engage, HR, even the end user as just the employee that goes and clocks in and works, that person might be the one that complains the most about the cleaning. But because you don't think that they're an influencer in the, in, in the, in the deal, you might not market to them. Right. So I just find everything that you do uh, super interesting. I know we've kept it kind of like high level. I would love to like grill you one day and just hang out and pick your brain. You know, good thing that uh, we're about to get into what I'm going to say. But now I would love to talk real quick. Why did we even bring you on this podcast? That's the question. Most people are like, why is he in this podcast? Well, that's because Mr. Connor Doobie is going to be one of our keynote speakers at the event, and you've probably already seen the announcements. Connor, give him some insight into what are we going to be doing at this event. Oh, there you go. There you go. Look. There you go. See? How, how cool is that? I, we, 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 yeah. Give him some insight. What are we going to do, man? I mean, you're going to have $100 million companies, $50 million plus, $15 million plus, and uh, mm. Even as small as someone just a mil, right, or five hundred thousand, for example, just coming and wanting to play with the big dogs, right? That's how I started entrepreneurship. I like went into to Nicholas's event. I had no business, and uh, I was just like, "Whoa, these people are for real!" And now we're here. So, what can they expect from from your from your workshop and talking to you, man? Yeah, so I I'm one of those people. Like personally, I like to teach in the same way that I like to learn. And, um, anyone who knows me, like, I'm just not a BS kind of guy. Like I don't like fluff. Um, I'm not inspirational. Like I'm not here to inspire, you know, about entrepreneurship or business. Like I love good, usable, tactical information. And, um, I, I pay to get good tactical information from mentors, coaches and, and vendors and you name it. And so in the case of content, the biggest thing and what we're really going to break down in this event much further, which if you haven't already, you've got to get your ticket, especially if you like what we've talked about so far, because I can really get much more into depth with each one of these points and, and put it in a more organized format for you. But ultimately, it's not about what you're doing right. And someone's like, what? What do you mean? Well, <laughs> you may already not be doing content well. You may already be doing it, but I've learned personally the biggest pivots I've made in my life and or we made for clients is not necessarily always what you are adding to what you're doing, but what you're removing from what you're doing to make yourself successful. And so I'm going to play around with the topic of the talk. I want to make it cleaning specific. So I'm thinking maybe cleaning up the content mistakes that are costing mm -hmm. you customers. Do you guys like that? I like that. We'll, we'll <laughs> play with it though. I, mean, I know you, you're probably going to be like two days before you're going to be like, and switched. So hundred percent. So, uh, yeah. I go, there's been so many times I, I and it just depends. Like, again, I want to bring everyone the most amount of value. So when I hear what people are saying and I see your expressions and I look up your companies and everything like that. Like I'm going to know how to cater it towards you. And, and the reason, and this is also a dynamic of what we're going to bring to the table is this isn't theory. We have literally produced over 40 plus thousand pieces of custom content for technical B2B businesses that do high dollar high value sales. And so we've done that across over, you know, 70 plus industries. Um, you know, there's nuances, but in essence, B2B marketing, whether you're IT, commercial cleaning, you're biotech, there's certain principles that still apply across the board. And I'm going to get even as specific into helping you understand um, neuromarketing and psychology because that is where things really start and understanding how to do this, who you're doing this for. So the psychology, the neuromarketing behind it, the data behind it, and more importantly, what you need to eliminate and get rid of and change that will make you successful, not what you need to add, because it's really not complicated. The challenge is it just does really take 
some setting yourself up for success, understanding how to execute, and whether you're a $500,000 company, $500 million company, there are different ways to execute and make content work for you to attract more of the right prospects. Actually, you know, building a brand, people hear that term and I agree with them. It is a very fluffy, like, okay, build a brand, whatever. Yeah. In essence, what we're communicating when it says, when, when, when you say like, Hey, this is incredibly important for building your brand, replace the word brand with becoming seen as the the most logical vendor of choice and because of that have more people reaching out to you than you having to chase them around because those deals close quicker they trust you more they stick around longer they pay you more money versus if i just cold call somebody which still works by the way but cold call someone or i'm just relying on referrals if I don't yep. have these other things to support those efforts, then I'm only doing half of what will make my business grow from either 500 to 600, um, you know, 500,000 to 1.2 million to 5 million to 10 million. I've gone through many companies doing, you know, anywhere from that up to multiple billion dollar organizations that have been able to grow using these same principles. Dude, that comment right there, like replace brand with, are you the most logical choice? for the services like that they're requesting and logic again logic isn't just do they do this job it's do they do it are they efficient can they back up that they do it what's the customer support like all the everything that goes into it right and it's kind of cool like i now i'm wondering now i'm asking myself that question and a lot of things i'm like am i the most logical uh, am i the most logical choice and i you know it's interesting like even and I'm not going to switch too much, but now I'm even thinking about this as my personal brand. Like, are you the most logical choice for what? Enter what you're trying to achieve with your personal brand. And then I'm even thinking like, uh, this is just, I'm just being dumb here, but family. And I'm even thinking of my, like my marriage. And I'm like, what is the brand that I'm trying to put as a husband? And if I replace brand with, am I the most logical choice for what? You know what I mean? Like now I'm wondering like, damn, am I, am I dressing like the most logical choice for Denise? Am I acting like the most logical? Am I taking, and I'm like, whoa. But anyways, I'm, I'm in the marriage high right now, probably. So that's why I, I always try to connect everything back, but it makes you wonder, right? It makes you wonder, like when you replace that line right there, a brand to, are you the most logical choice? And it's like, well, in order to be the most logical choice, I got to know what she, what, what they were looking for, what they want, what they're expecting, whatever communicate. Anyways, I'm just, my, my wheels are going and this is all, this is us keeping a very high level. So no, you make, you wild. make like, I'm, I'm glad you made that connection because it does apply across the board, across, across spectrum, whether you are an entrepreneur or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm confident a number of listeners or possible attendees are also what we would call intrapreneurs. They are, you know, still directly related to growth and efforts and marketing and sales and everything, but they don't own the company. Maybe they own a piece of it or something like that, or they're, you know, directly tied in with revenue and be to make no mistake, B2B business to business means you are actually marketing to people. And it is in fact much more emotional than selling a consumer product. Because when you sell to a facilities director, for example, and you're clearly not the most logical choice of vendor out there, their career is at risk, right? They could lose their job making the wrong decision. They could cost the company a lot of money making the wrong decision. And um, that's where you also gotta really, really understand who you're communicating with how you're communicating with them. Most people say, yes, I know who we're marketing to. 95% of them, really, you have no idea who you are actually marketing to. And if you do understand it, you're not deploying it the right way because you're not understanding psychology and you're probably not sitting on sales calls if you're a marketing director and listening and asking your way to success, asking your prospects, asking your clients, using those insights to turn around and format that into the form of content 
right? You think your solution solves X, but it actually solves Y, but you don't know because you haven't gotten that level of depth of research and information seeking, and it's costing your business greatly because of it. Dude, sorry. Uh, you said like uh, B2B is more emotional. It's a more emotional sale than, than B2C. Most people listening and most sales, quote unquote, sales experts would disagree, right? They would be like, what? B2C is way more emotional, man, blah, blah, right? Especially the ones that sell fitness and stuff, which I get the, I think they confuse the type of emotion. Of course, I'm not going to get a facility director to cry about his personal life in the call and then decide to take action because of it. But like they do over there, right? Like, oh, you always cancel on your goals, blah, blah, blah. That's a different sale. When you come to be though, I just realized the amount of pressure, it might not be sad emotions, but imagine now at the moment that, that it says James or Angel, and there comes my signature that I've accepted this proposal, this contract before that, the amount of pressure, the amount of fear that might come into you. Now you gotta like step up and like, it has your name and you're the DM now. Like if it goes wrong, you're right. You could lose your job. You could be moved departments, downgrade. It could cost you. It could, what if injury, like for example, especially in cleaning, what if you, that cleaner doesn't do something under Kate's injury for your employee, internal employee lawsuits can happen. So like, think about that emotion is a different emotion. It's not, I'm sad or I'm like feeling bad about myself. It's, Hey man, I'm trying to get you to sign a contract, but as soon as you sign that contract, I'm also putting a bunch of weight on your shoulders. And the difference is, can what I'm showing you with my brand relieve some of that pressure and help like let them feel that you're putting some of that pressure on your back as well. So anyways, I was just thinking about it and I was like, damn, that's a different emotion. A lot of people like to believe B2B is not emotional, but the repercussions in B2B because you're not playing with your own money all the time. And sometimes with your own money can be, way more astronomical than much greater on the personal side. Cause if you mess up, yeah. more people are going to know, and it could cross boundaries into other future career opening opportunities. If you're successful or if you fail at it, if you are a consumer and you make a bad decision, buy a car, you probably shouldn't have bought and afforded. I mean, you could still continue your life. And the only person that knows about it is you, or maybe you and your spouse. And now angels case newlywed, now she's going to mm -hmm. give you a hard time because you made that bad purchasing decision. But the weight of it isn't near as, um, you know, as that public ousting. Nothing is more painful than that and, and losing the trust and credibility with your peers. And this is where boundary lines are crossed also between sales and marketing and the commercial space are not two different departments. They are one in the same. So you could be doing a great job marketing. But your salespeople are just over there trying to press to close the deal, close the contract, sign the thing, pay us. Like, And that in itself is going to hurt your brand positioning and your credibility. It's happened to me many times. You know, I've had plenty of people try to sell me something, you know, a solution for our company. And I just totally disregard the business when, when their salespeople are just, you know, all they care about is getting the contract signed. Now you can do those things and move those deals along, but if you're doing marketing the right way, um, you don't have to try to twist people's arm to close a deal. Um, doing business to business sales is about getting that other person to open the door for you and allow you to walk through, not you pushing the door through and, you know, like, you know, shoveling your way into a contract through manipulation, price changing, you name it. There's a lot of different tactics out there. Lying, um, yep. you know, just anything you can do to get the deal done. And there's a lot of bad practice out there. But that also means you can use that to your advantage because you're not going to do that, listener. Um, your competitors are doing it, but you're not going to approach that anymore because you realize that my marketing, my salespeople are marketing people nowadays. Yep. If I'm selling yep. to someone, they're going to check me yep, out on totally. social media. They're going to mm -hmm. look at me on LinkedIn. They're maybe going to look at my Instagram. They're maybe going to look at Facebook, whether I'm a lar in a large company or a small company. It all comes down to that marketing and understanding, um, you know, the process that has to happen to make a B2B deal happen. Man. I'd rather someone take time, right? Like 
I've literally told prospects, I don't want you to like rush to move this forward. You need to do what you got to do on your end to make sure everyone is sold internally, bought in because I've made the mistakes of bringing a client in and got them in sooner than they should have closed the deal. And then it's a short-term relationship versus like really understanding and navigating the B2B sales process. Shoot. I'll shut up on that. Imagine, no, dude, imagine what it's going to be like in person. And then like, if you want to ask Connor more questions, he's going to be around, but most importantly, he'll also be at our all access dinner party after hours. Yeah. So you want to ask him a one on one question? We're doing some sushi. Yeah. Like, what we're are gonna, we got some barbecue. We got, uh, we got to do some good stuff. I'll, I'll tell you later. Can't tell him now. You know, he can't can't drop the surprises now, man. We're gonna do some good stuff. It's gonna be good. It's gonna People be may good. Sign you, up. Know, you know, they you may know, sign Denver up just so. for the food. They may sign up just for the food, but they'll stay because the content is fire. They'll stay because 100%. of the people. Right. 100%. James, I know you have your roulette question that you always give, unless you have any additional questions. Since I know we're coming to the top of the hour here, I want to make sure I don't skip that part. We just got to get consent no, from Connor if he wants to play. <laughs> Let's All roll, right, Connor. We got, this little, <laughs> we got this little white box uh, right here. It's not a pack of cigarettes like someone once told me on this show. Uh, <laughs> we, don't know what, we don't know what questions come out of this box. Uh, are you willing to answer whatever question comes out. Once we ask it, we throw it away forever. Unless it's incriminating, absolutely. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll go for it. <laughs> it's like, what kind of box is this? <laughs> What's in the box? All right, th th this is a good one uh, for you. It's funny how this always, always plays into like the, uh, some type of content that we've had on the show. What are three energy hacks and what do you do to maintain them? That's so funny. <laughs> energy hacks. You know, one of my very, um, very successful mentors of mine, um, one thing you like to say, because you know that, especially in our generation, I would say the, the millennial generation is, is that phrase, fake it till you make it. And uh, dude, there's days like, I don't feel like getting out of bed. I don't feel like doing it. You know, I just, and, and whatever. And so, um, s you, the way your brain interacts with your physical body is very interesting because you can trick yourself very easily into being in pain, not being in pain, feeling different emotions, feeling stress, feeling anxiety. And so I always remind myself, like, you know, don't fake it till you make it act as if, and so in yeah. that term of act as if, whether that is the energy, the emo it applies to my emotional, like, you know, bringing that, like, I'm mm -hmm. not going to fake it, but I am going to act as if I do have the energy, the confidence, um, you know, I'm not going to be a fugazi fake, like pretender, but I am going to act as if I do belong in this room. I do you know, have the credibility. I do have the energy today, even though I absolutely don't feel like it. Um, so that would be my tips. And then, you know, from a physical level, like get good sleep, right? Exercise, yeah. you know, certainly. That helps. act as if though is huge, bro. That act as if I always okay. like, like I'm a big, I like the movie Boiler Room. It's intense. It's old school, but I like that just the scene where he says, act as if like you are new, we get it. You don't know what you're doing dress the like if you're gonna show up to work at least dress the part show up on time like do the things that act as if you were already there and specifically they were talking about a senior partner so like act as if you're already that person and, he, and then they were even he was even saying like people are gonna make fun of you because you're not gonna make money now uh, people are gonna be like wait are you really that person what the hell you act as if you're already that that like that senior and you're just gonna watch everything come after it and it's funny because like i started doing crossfit i'm not the nowhere close to the the strongest guy there right but i'm starting to show up on the classes that they show up like the the super fittest ones um and even though i can't do their way i act as if i'm gonna keep up that's it like they literally show up and i'm like let's go bro i'm over here stretching with them trying to keep up and i'm like they're carrying freaking 300 pounds i'm over here like 150 and stuff but i'm like i'm gonna act as if i'm already at their level so i'm just gonna be showing up and you're right it does kind of it gets in your head man 
you know, act as if. So I love that. I literally gave a training on that like two weeks ago. So that's crazy that you said uh, act as if. Time and consistency will will solve for the results and solve for the feeling, but it it follows that not the other way around. Like, oh, when I have the energy, I will act as if I have the energy and be energetic. It it happens in the reversal, unfortunately. Or fortunately, you act. You feel the way you act. Don't act how you feel. I think like that's that always rings a bell to me. Yeah. Awesome stuff, man. I can't wait to shake your hand, give you a hug, man. Uh, September 12th through the 14th. And I hope everyone listening to decides to suit up and show up and do the same because I know that they're going to not just get energy from you. They're actually going to get actionable content and frameworks to apply to their business. So thank you so much, man. And I I can't wait for September, brother. Can I let me add one one quick thing here? That's all right. Is, and, and I've been in, you know, the, the listener's seat in so many, so many different scenarios. Um, first off, you guys are really, really, you know, your stuff, like you're not theorists, you are true practitioners. And so if people do want to understand the sales and the process and the CRMs and, and everything from a technical know how they should absolutely sign up for this event, I've seen your other events. And I know you keep them pretty tight and intimate so that people can actually get more out of it. And so that doesn't mean like, if you wait, there may not be spots available for you. And and so take that risk because the biggest thing that could not happen out of it is you learn something about a pivot that you can make. Like, People go into these events like, oh, it's twelve hundred bucks, fifteen hundred bucks. Well, I don't know what your guys' pricing is. A few hundred yeah, bucks. You name it. I mean, I, I've paid ten thousand dollars to attend events that were actually terrible, but there's like one relationship I can point to I got out of it that paid for itself time and time over. And so consider that. If you're like on the edge, teetering, should I go to this thing? You know, do I have to tra- I have to travel, do this? Like all it takes is one connection one relationship, one piece of information, one deal to completely transform everything that you're doing and create a whole new level of momentum. So I would encourage you just sign up, go, go get to meet me, build a relationship. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in September. Yeah, man, dude, I'm so glad that you said that. We're super excited to have you, man. And like we always tell people, literally, we're so confident that you're going to get that pivot that you request. And, and we're the kind of people that are going to push for that pivot too. Sometimes you go to an event and they let you kind of sit in the back and, you know, kind of maybe take some notes, maybe take some breaks, get out of the room. Not if you're in my room, right? Last time we had hot seats, last time we were pushing. If I was seeing someone like not interacting, hey, let's go. Like we are, you're two and a half days with us. There's going to be a change, right? Like there's no way you don't. The key is just to come in and participate. You come in here, you don't get transformation, the pivot, the relationship, the breakthrough. We have a money back guarantee because we don't, because that's how confident we are in what we're doing. Well, literally, you tell me right there and then and I'll sell you the money right there or wire transfer, however you want to do it. Bitcoin. I'm just kidding. But anyways, brother, thank you so much for being here. We're super excited to have you. And we'll see you September 12th in Denver, Colorado. Thanks, Much love, guys. Thank you.